Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. How's that? Hey, good morning, church. How you doing? I'm glad to be here. I'm glad Bobby can get away and relax, have a chance to unwind, be with family. So praise the Lord for that. In 1973, I was 20 years old. <laughs> can you believe that? That means I'm old. I wasn't always this old. And I have a warning to you guys, it creeps up quickly. You know, I didn't always have this old gray-haired body. There was a time I was fit and in shape. There was a time I had a Planet Fitness body. Now I have a Golden Corral body. <laughs> so back in 1973, when I was 20, Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote a rock opera called Jesus Christ Superstar. It was a fanciful look at the last six days of Jesus' life of Christ. But I'm telling you, back then in 1973, it was controversial, to say the least, because it was filled with rock music, and, and that wasn't in vogue in the church back then. Also, some in the more conservative church found it to be heretical. And right at kind of that same time was a rock opera that was uh, infecting the culture, and it was called Hair. Does anybody remember the rock opera Hair? A couple of our older friends. And ever heard the song? Anybody ever heard the song Hair? She asked me why, why I'm just a hairy guy. I'm hairy noon and nighty night night. My hair is a fry. I'm hairy high and low. You ask me why, he don't know. It's not for lack of bread, like the grateful dead. Darling, give me down to there, hair, shoulder length and longer, shining, gleaming, streaming, flax. Oh, give me down to there, hair, shoulder length and longer, hair, here, baby, there, mama, everywhere, body, body, hair. And that's how the song went. And it was a crazy. I fear you are so young, you would never know what I was talking about. But right in the middle of this hippie culture, there was a Jesus movement as well back in the 70s. And see, it was my generation in the 1960s and early 1970s that thought we were going to bring this wave of new ethic into the world. And it was going to create a glorious environment. And it was the hippie culture, and it was the flower children in San Francisco. And we were living in communes, and we had a new ethic that we were going to change the world through love and peace and dropping out and doing drugs. Well, I'm telling you, it was my generation that brought the ruination of America and what we have seen it come to today. We've declared God dead back in the 70s. We declared the Beatles more popular than Jesus. And it just started a whole new wave of culture away from what we would call traditional Christian world view. And it was a storm right in the middle of a culture change. 
and it created a storm, but I'm telling you, it did nothing like create a storm like we're going to read about in Mark chapter 3 today. Because we read today about the real Jesus Christ superstar. And I'm so glad you're studying through the book of Mark because it's a powerful book. Now, it's not so much a doctrinal book, but it's a book of, of movement. Huh? Did you, did you hear? It's a book of movement. Can I hear an amen? It's a book of movement. It's a, Jesus portraying himself as the Son of God. It's the Messiah whom you are studying today. And it's his, it's his travel law. Not a lot of doctrine, not a lot of heavy doctrine like Romans and Hebrews and some of the other books that Paul wrote. But what Mark wanted you to see was Jesus was on the move. Jesus was working miracles. He was teaching like none other. And he was doing extraordinary things to bring the kingdom of God back into a culture that lost its way by following just Judaism. Judaism missed the Messiah. We're not missing the Messiah. We're here because of the Messiah. And Jesus, today in Book of Mark, we see it, pr it presents and it proves that Jesus was exactly who he claimed to be, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And today we're just going to look real briefly at the popularity of Jesus' ministry and the power of Jesus' ministry and the potential of Jesus' ministry. The ministry of Jesus now is in full swing. The common people of the area are following. They're flocking to Jesus because he's preaching the word with power. Oh, they heard the Pharisees and they heard the Sadducees speak and, and run religious ceremony. But when Jesus spoke, it, it cut to their very heart. When Jesus spoke, it was genuine and it was full of power. But he was also working miracles at the time, which was just amazing for all who were there to participate. They were stirred to passion because just before all this occurred, John the Baptist had come on the scene. And John the Baptist is telling Judaism, he's telling the high priest, he's telling the people of God that they needed to repent because the kingdom of God was at hand. And the kingdom of God was Jesus marching into this world to be our Savior, to be... Is that any better? I don't know how, they, I don't know how it went off. It's because we're preaching. It's because we're preaching and it went off. I know who's behind that. <laughs> Jesus also is just doing incredible teaching. Now, it was just at this time that Jesus healed a paralyzed man. You've been studying through the book of Mark. He had to be lowered through a roof that Jesus could... Could, could heal him. They had to lower him through the roof because the crowds surrounding Jesus were so, so powerful and they wanted to see him. And I don't, I don't know what to tell you. 
It's back. Back in my day, you just stood up and you preached. You didn't have all this stuff to worry about, newfangled technology. But we're going to be all right either way, man. And then Jesus, he calls Levi, Matthew, a tax collector, to come follow him. And he's calling him to be a disciple of his. And then he's, he was called, he said, he said, come to my house. And he went to eat with his vagabond, sinful people who were other tax collectors and sinners. And this was shocking to the Jews. It was even shocking to his disciples. If you watch the movie Chosen, you really get a real good idea of how shocking it was for uh, uh, Matthew to be a tax collector and be a part of the disciples of Jesus Christ. The Pharisees naturally accused Jesus of followers for not fasting like Jesus' disciples did. And Jesus said, well, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? He's saying, look, this ministry's different. He says, I'm here. I am the Lord. I am Messiah. Why are they going to fast when the Messiah is with them? And he's, 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 he's setting a standard that Jesus was the reason for worship. And then Jesus at that time declared himself to be Lord of the Sabbath, and that caused chaos. Then he healed a man with a shriveled hand in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and that set the religious leaders into a frenzy. This is the backdrop of what's happening leading up into Mark 3. The Lord's days are filled with ministry, and things are happening at a hectic pace. So to say Jesus was a rock star is an understatement. But he's not like superstars of our age. They're self-involved, and they're petty, and they're insecure, and they're fortune seekers. Not Jesus. He was purpose-bound. He was selfless, and he was kingdom-driven. Making disciples was his treasure, not wealth and popularity. See, we live in a celebrity-obsessed culture where everyone wants their 15 minutes of fame. Thank you, Instagram, and thank you, TikTok, and everybody wants to have a podcast today. The, the need for celebrity fascination and worship comes from a culture, listen to me, it comes from a culture that's in spiritual decline. And people sense that there's little hope and little hope of a prosperous future for them. So they lack a sense of contentment from the inside. And it's derived from their poverty of their soul. And that fuels material lust and just a need to escape or a need to just be noticed. And listen, in such an environment, sin increases and dependence on addiction of all kind flavors and it numbs the culture. See, mere celebrity fascination can never cure man's deepest need. You ask Lindsay Lohan, you ask Britney Spears, who have all the fame, all the fortune, yet they see their life come to destructive ends. Robin Williams, one of my favorite comedians growing up, just felt the pressures of mental illness to the point that he took his life 
Anthony Bourdain, all the popularity of the, of the food culture at his disposal, yet he takes his life because only Jesus can meet the need of the soul. And every person who's ever been born into this world, every person that's in this room has a soul, and only the Messiah, only Jesus can fill your soul. This is a time of increased opposition in Jesus' ministry because he, because as the need increased for discipleship, also recruitment needed to be increased. A spiritual opposition gets more ramped up, it gets more intense, and the need for discipleship intensifies. I just said something there. As spiritual opposition gets more intense, the need for disciples intensifies. We're watching in America the threat that's been brought upon the church and Christianity from the woke culture that we live in. See, you're the voice that has to be silenced. The, the truth that comes from the Bible, the truth that comes from Jesus in the, in the elite of our culture, they believe that has to be silenced so they have free will to do whatever they want with the culture. But as spiritual opposition gets more intense, that means movement church needs to be making more disciples and more disciples, and discipleship needs to intensify. And I looked at your your uh, six lessons in discipleship. Every one of us ought to go through those lessons and make sure that we know Jesus and that he is the focus of our life. And today we pick up in Mark chapter 3. These verses just give a tremendous grouping, listing of the popularity and the power of Jesus Christ. And it was in Mark chapter 1 to 3. It's kind of giving the first wave of Jesus' ministry. And it was just set forth in those first three chapters to show that Jesus truly was the Son of God. He taught like none other before him. He did miracles over nature. He healed people with diseases. And he confronted the religious standards of their age, all to prove that he was the Messiah that you're studying in the book of Mark this summer. And I praise you for that, for being a people of the book, who people who crave the word of God. Jesus is frustrated for a couple reasons. Two were that the religious leaders were overtly hostile to him. Those religious leaders, the high priest, the priesthood, the Levites, they should have bowed down at the feet of Jesus. They should have worshipped him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength because they had the word, they had the prophets, they had the prophecies, but they cling to their power and they cling to their religion. They chose to deny that Jesus was the Messiah. And he was also disappointed in the crowds because the crowds of people who were just concerned about their physical healing and they weren't really as concerned about the spiritual message. And the problem they held in Jesus' time of Christ is kind of the same problem we have today. Because when religion fails, and religion will fail, men no longer know the truth, and their world falls apart. Christianity will never fail. Jesus will never fail. But religion can get so convoluted and watered down that when it loses its effect, 
we know that something's wrong in the world, but we don't know what to do about it. See, our country, this country, this memorial, this Fourth of July weekend, our country, believe it or not, was founded on the Bible. You won't hear that in school anymore. You won't hear that in culture. It was founded on people who wanted to relieve religious persecution and come to this country and start a country and a society and a civilization where the Bible was preeminent. And they knew that if the Bible was taught, they knew that, that a republic of which they were forming could be protected from the sins of the world and the natural sins of the flesh. And what they did, they, restart, they started a republic, and it was the Bible, and it was going to be the church, it was going to be God's people that would be the immune system that would allow the republic to flourish. Because without the, 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 the dampening of sin, a republic will never be able to carry on. Now, the average people today, they don't know all this. They don't, they don't realize this. But when society is not working for them, and we know right now, five-hour gas, society is not working for us. You know, the leaders of uh, uh, the cultural elite, they think things are getting better. It's the people who know that things aren't right. And that's what we're facing in America today. The crowds were following Jesus passionately, and they craved healing for their bodies and healing for their souls. And I pray this morning, if your soul is craving, if your soul is hungry, if your soul is confused, I pray you will see the Messiah in the book of Mark. And as you come to this church, that you will worship him as Lord and Savior. So if you're hurting today, don't be afraid at the end of the service to come. Don't be afraid to bear your souls. Let us lay hands on you. Let us pray with you. And let us be the very uh, uh, family of God to you in this tough time in which we live. So this morning, first, we see the popularity of Jesus' ministry. And right before our text in verse 3, 6, it says, After healing on the Sabbath, the Pharisees were plotting with the Herodians to kill Jesus. Now, that's the religious leaders of their day, and they're plotting to kill Jesus. And not only that, but they, they got together with the Herodians, who the Pharisees would never uh, get together with the Herodians, because Herod was a scoundrel, and he was just in power with Rome. But people were coming from everywhere to see Jesus. Is, there, is that map, um, do we have that map of, of Palestine? This is... This is just a map that shows you the, the, where the people were coming from. And they're coming from down in Hebron. They're coming down from Nabataea, Idumea, down here where, where uh, Edom's people uh, uh, were. And all these towns, all the way up to the north in Galilee, people were traveling just to get into the presence of Jesus Christ because he was popular. He's teaching like no other. He's healing like no other. And in verse 7 and 9, it says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. 
when they heard about all he was doing, many people came from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding to him. For he had healed many that so, so that with diseases were pushing forward to touching. You know, this is not the age of, of travel. Uh, this is not the age of ease of travel. This is the age where people had to walk from all those regions that were mentioned. And they had to walk for days to get to Jesus. And they had to leave their home and had to leave their families just to be in the presence of Jesus. And not only was he healing their afflictions, but he was teaching. You know, the teaching that refreshed their souls where Judaism was leaving them condemned and confused. And there's a Greek term, mastigos, in the Greek word for illness and disability. And it means a scourge or a whip. It's a funny way to kind of relate to illness. But that's what exactly what it was for the people in Jesus' day. They would refer to their illness and disabilities as a whip, as if something was whipping them and scourging them because that's what the system of Judaism was doing to them and their theology because they taught that anyone who had any disability was just a sinner and that it was a curse from God that they were, they were confused and, 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 and suffering illness. Where Jesus looked on them with compassion and Jesus called them to come to him and Jesus would teach and Jesus would heal them and then they were fascinated and thrilled with the Messiah. There were so many following Jesus at this time that they had to move to a lake. And I'm talking thousands of people crushing in to see Jesus. That's why I'm telling you he's the greatest rock star ever because he is the superstar, not only the Bible, he's the superstar of heaven. And they pushed out in a boat so the crowds couldn't gain access to him so Jesus could teach. Jesus was certainly the most popular person, not only of his day, but of our day as well. He was also powerful because he held sway over the demonic world. Look at verse 11. Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. I find that fascinating. The demons and evil spirits that were there, or even inhabiting people, when they saw Jesus, they would cry out, Jesus, you're the Son of God. Now, all Israel should have been crying that out. But the demons and the ones who were afflicted by, by, de by the devil, they were crying out. They recognized Jesus as Messiah right away. And I find that strange. And Jesus didn't want their testimony. Because he'd said in verse 12, but he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. Now I find that strange too. Why would Jesus limit their testimony? Because Jesus never wants unholy testimony to defame the truth and the beauty of his message. That was true then, and it's true today, friends. We cannot live a hypocritical life and just go out talking about Jesus we must be the real deal. We must be holy as he is holy. 
No one's going to believe your testimony if you're in the gutter of Saturday night, you know, running with the low life of, 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 of this area. You've got to be the real deal than let the testimony of, of, of life change take place. John 20, 32, it says, These have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing that you'll have life in his name. See, that's the proof of Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God, and that's why people crowded to see him. People left in droves to follow him and experience his power. And the same is true for me, and the same is true for you. I had experienced a lot of good things in life and had a good career in life. But my soul had a place that nothing this world could fill. But when I found Jesus, and then he allowed me to go into ministry in his name and preach his word, did I find out what true peace of soul means. Because Jesus is the Son of God. And people were leaving in droves to find him. And you yourself know the same thing. You know what I know. Only Jesus could fill your soul. That's because that's why you've been transformed. That's why you've been brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light of his son. That's why God wants you to be light and salt to a lost and dying world. See, you, you in this room are the hope of the world. You're the hope of Raleigh. You're the hope of Nightdale. You're the hope of a culture that is a cancel culture trying get away from anything that's Christian or a Bible. But when they see your testimony, when they see your changed life, and that it was powerfully changed by Jesus, then they're going to be attracted to you, and they're going to want to hear your story as well. So Jesus was certainly popular, but he was also powerful. And then what he needed to do, he needed to unleash the potential of his ministry. And that's verse 13 and 19. Jesus started to call those disciples, not just to be followers, but to be his disciples, to go and to preach and to teach. And he would later call them his, his uh, apostles. In verse 13, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. And they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Luke is a little bit more specific than Mark, and that's kind of always the case. Mark is fast-paced, just showing the life of Jesus. And Luke says that he went out into a mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer. A time of reflection, a time of power, a time of purpose was needed to choose these men of God. And what a great lesson for us. Anytime we have decisions to make, anytime in life we need to take time to be alone with Jesus in prayer. There's also a time of sovereign choice. There had been great multitudes following Jesus, and he moved from place to place as he was ministering. Now he was choosing the 12 that would be his disciples. And he had already called them to follow but now he's calling them to the work of the Lord, 
to go and make disciples. The Bible said he called them unto himself. And that's kind of the first mode of discipleship. You must spend time with Jesus alone. And God has chosen you. And God has chosen us to be his ambassadors that we heard this morning, to be his spokespeople. Verse 14, 15 tells us what the Lord expected these 12 men to do. They were to be to establish a pattern for all ministry that would go forth even to this day. And these verses reveal the priority of ministry that will truly work in a godless culture because it prioritizes discipleship, that they should be with him. And that phrase is a highlight of every disciple-making venture that would ever follow. You must spend time with Jesus. The Lord called these men to follow him in a relationship and personal fellowship. That's what he wants more than anything. He wants you to spend time with him so that your passion will become bright and vibrant. When you're with him, you'll have his passion and it will change the world. He wanted them to learn from him, and that requires closeness. He wanted to train them by personal example, and that requires closeness. Most of all, he wanted them to be with him just because he loved them, and his desire for fellowship was with them. Because being with Jesus should be the first priority in each and every one of our lives. There's nothing, and I say this boldly, there's nothing more important in your life as time spent with Jesus. You're fighting the flesh each and every day. We're redeemed. We're saved. We're going to be with heaven. I'm living eternally right now. I'm just living eternally in this earthly sinful phase. I have to fight the flesh daily. But I'm designed to be in harmony with God and his spirit to be able to overcome the flesh and overcome a cursed and fallen world. He wanted them to learn from him and be close to him so that every day in which we live, we have the power to accomplish exactly what he needs us to accomplish. And then he told them to go preach. And he told them that they needed to preach. And he also gave them, the apostles, he gave them the ability to preach and do miracles. In verse 16, he says, These are the twelve he appointed, Simon, for whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To him he gave the name Boanges, which means son of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, son of Zealot, and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. Now these men, we don't have time to deal with all these men. You know, John MacArthur wrote a great book uh, about the 12 uh, disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's a good study, but we can't do that this morning. But what I wanted you to see was the popularity of Jesus in Mark 3. <laughs> the power of Jesus in Mark 3. And then I wanted you to see that he needed people 
to be spend time with him alone and to take on his challenge to go make disciples. And these last verses just tell us that he chose the 12, and Bible teaches us that they were apostles that were going to be sent out into the world. And church, I need you to remember, as spiritual opposition gets more intense, the need for more discipleship intensifies. And I love that I hear that at Movement Church, that discipleship is important to this church because it will actually be the thing that will guarantee that you'll thrive in the future. It'll be the thing that will protect you from the ravages of this culture. It'll be the thing that will allow you to do great things in his name. Because Movement Church began because we needed a New Testament church in Nightdale area. It's a place where truth about Jesus is taught. It's a place where the love of Jesus is caught. It's a place where his people would make Jesus popular and famous again by making disciples, by having them spend time alone with Jesus and learn his word and then go preach. It's Movement Church is a place where people see the power of conversion and they'll see the power of your conversion. And while they're struggling with sin and while they're struggling with society, they'll see the light that's within you and they'll wonder why hard things happen to you, but you seem to have victory in the process even of defeat. It's a place where people are taught about the love of God and the mercy of God. And it's a place where your potential is unleashed as you make disciples. John, Mark chapter 3 proves that Jesus certainly was a superstar. And I want you to go and make him famous in this world in which we live today. Now, if you have a need this morning, this is too much for an old guy. If you have a need this morning, come. Come to the Lord. If you need prayer, come. If you need encouragement, come. Jesus is here. And he wants to be close to you. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.